0: Welcome to another episode of Focus Points, where we ask one simple question. What do we need to know in order to profit more from reading this book of the Bible? Let's look at another book of the Bible together so that we can better know our God and His Word. Today we're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah. Now the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of Nehemiah is probably the wall. You know, Nehemiah, he went back to Jerusalem, they built the wall, and that's the story of Nehemiah. But really, the wall has been finished uh, by the time we get to the end of chapter four of the book, and Nehemiah has 13 chapters in it. So while the wall is important, there's a lot more that God wants us to find out uh, from the book of Nehemiah. So what are some of the things that you might need to know in order to profit more from your reading? Well, first, keep in mind that Nehemiah is the last history of the Jewish people. In other words, it's the last of the historical books and it takes us farther into Israel's history than any other book. In fact, there's only one other book of the Old Testament that still has yet to be written by the time we get to the end of Nehemiah and that is the book of Malachi, but that's a prophetic book and it doesn't necessarily cover the history that is going on. And that's gonna be an important fact when we get to the end of our discussion on Nehemiah because you get to the end of Nehemiah, and the next time the Bible gives us a snippet of history and picks back up the story, we're gonna read something to the effect of, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. So you have a 400-year period where there's no history recorded in the Bible, and then the next historical event is Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. File that in the back of your mind, and we'll come back to that in just a couple minutes. A second thing you need to know is that Nehemiah did minister alongside Ezra. He came after Ezra, about 20 years after Ezra came, uh, but he he and Ezra were partners, and they did a lot together in helping the people uh, return to God and in ruling the nation. The key theme of Nehemiah, or the key message, is this. God intervenes, or God works on the behalf of his people, as his people pray and do his will. There's a lot that's going to be talked about in the book about restoration, but really the focus is on when the people choose to obey, when the people choose to run to God, that is when God actually comes and actually does his work in their lives. And so Nehemiah's theme of God intervenes as his people pray and do his will, it really can be seen through uh, three sub-themes. The first sub-theme is restoration. There is physical restoration throughout the book of uh, Nehemiah. Uh, Jerusalem is rebuilt in the beginning portion, and the people are rebuilt. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 7 and chapter 11, these lists of genealogies show that once they got back to the land, God is building them up in their numerical uh, sense uh, and restoring them physically in that way. But there's also a spiritual restoration going on. Nehemiah admits in his opening prayer to God that the root cause uh, for the need of restoration— is their sin. That's why they were destroyed physically. That's why they are in such a desperate state spiritually. And then you have these accounts, like in Nehemiah chapter 8, where the law is read and a revival breaks out. We see that spiritual restoration, or even Nehemiah chapter 12, which talks a lot about the worship that was restored and what was going on in the temple. All of these pointing towards that spiritual restoration. A second theme is human responsibility, The wall was built, but the wall was not built by some miracle. It was built because the people had a mind to work, chapter 4, verse 6. I just think of what it would have been like if the people were like, okay, God wants to build a wall. And they're just waiting for God to somehow magically lift up all the stones and put them back with mortar in between all the stones. And poof, in one night or in one moment, God gave them a wall. While God is powerful enough to do that, that's not how he chose to work. He chose to work as his people did the work. There's a human responsibility that is going on. And underneath this idea of human responsibility, you also have a sub-theme of leadership. Nehemiah is a great study on the concept of leadership. He has a plan. He prepares to fulfill that plan. He has a willingness to work alongside the people who are fulfilling that plan. And after the wall is built, when we get to Nehemiah 5, we find out that there's all these social problems. Nehemiah sacrifices greatly because of his love for every Israelite, even the poor and the needy ones. And so we see how God is working through a man's leadership to ultimately restore. There's that human responsibility. Our final theme is divine intervention. Divine intervention. God is working as his people work and they pray to him. It's interesting that prayer encompasses 11% of the book. 11% of Nehemiah are just prayers to God, and not all of them are really lengthy. Many of them are simply short ones, short ones that he prays, or two or three verses that he prays to God, and they're in all different types of circumstances. And so we have this implication that man ought to remember God in every circumstance of life, and as you pray to God, God is going to help you. There's also this idea of opposition. When hard times come, uh, for instance, in chapter 6, verse 10, Nehemiah prays to God, Oh God, give me strength. When opposition comes and there's hard things that you have to face, God is the one who's going to give you the power to get through those things. That's all a part of his divine intervention. But there's something at the very end of the book that is really key to understanding the book of Nehemiah, the Old Testament, and how it is all leading into the New Testament. And that is there's this anticipation for something greater. Nehemiah does not end on a positive note. Uh, There are many problems that 13th chapter... Uh, that's full of sin. There's hope that God is going to forgive and that God is going to give wisdom and is going to be good to his people. But really, there it's, a, it's kind of a letdown. I mean, just think about Old Testament history. If you start off in Genesis, you get to Genesis 3, and the problem that man has is sin. And then you go through all the Pentateuch, all the historical books from Joshua, uh, Judges, Ruth, and then you get to the last of the historical books, Nehemiah, And what is Israel's problem? It is sin. They have the exact same problem as they had back in Genesis chapter 3. So what is going to happen with all of this? Well, one of the last verses of Nehemiah, in uh, Nehemiah 13, 26, Nehemiah talks about Solomon. He talks about how God loved Solomon. God loved and cared for Solomon and blessed Solomon, even though Solomon did sin and did mess up. And the point is this, God is so gracious to his people. He is going to be patient, and he is going to work to help them, even though they fail him often. But that's uh, one way to look at that mention of Solomon. A second way to look at why Solomon is mentioned is Solomon appears often in the Davidic covenant. David is promised a son who will rule forever, and Solomon is that partial fulfillment but who's the ultimate fulfillment? Jesus Christ. What do the people in Nehemiah's day need? They need a godly king, and they need a king who's going to help them with their sin problem. And that is how the Old Testament leaves off the history at the end of Nehemiah. They need a savior. They need a king. And what's the very next passage of history in our Bible? Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. And so Nehemiah leaves us with this longing that God would intervene once again in providing the perfect king who is going to lead the people righteously and also who is going to make the people righteous themselves. So as you read through the book of Nehemiah this year, I'd encourage you to ask yourself these three questions. First, how does this passage show the physical and spiritual restoration? Second, how does this passage illustrate my responsibility to obey? Third, what is God doing in this passage that only God can do? May the Lord bless as we read through Nehemiah together this year.